You are listening to the Trans Narrative Podcast. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for the trans community. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. Join me, Caroline Penny, Aria Lackey, Christina Primakis, Lucy Balzano, and the rotating panel of gender-diverse co-hosts as we create a space where trans voices are heard and celebrated. The Trans Narrative Podcast may contain explicit material, sensitive topics, and discussion. Explicit material featured. Parental consent is advised. Well, we're here on the Trans Narrative Podcast, and I'm Caroline, and I'm joined today by some of the most amazing people that I am so lucky to be friends with, Athena Primakis, Aria Lackey, and Lucy Balzano. And joining us today as our lovely guests, it's returning from season one, Mariana Basquette and Marla Alpert and Jesse Gender. Hi, everyone. It's so good to see all of you. Hey, good to, good to see you as well. Good night. I'm, I'm so glad to be back podcasting. This has been, um, it's been off and on this year. So it's just good to be here. And I'm just happy to, to have this space to celebrate each other because I think that in these trying times of, you know, late stage capitalism and just, you know, onslaught of fascism, it's just, it's good to come together and find community and, and celebrate each other and remind ourselves that there is life outside of activism and politics. And, and that, um, and we probably still talk politics, but you know, I just want to celebrate each other because that's uh, we don't do that enough anymore. And so I'm just happy to have Jesse and Marla and Mariana here. It's it's really good. And and you, Aria and Lucy and Athena, I'm just so happy. So whatever we want to talk about, let's just start. Jesse, how's how have you been? It's been a while since we've seen you. Yeah, I have been. Been up and down. I'll be honest, but right now it's doing good. Um, lots of I moved to a new place. So I'm moved down towards Los Angeles way, mm-hmm. and I'm working on a movie, which is you know got delayed because of frustrating bureaucracy stuff that I've talked about uh, elsewhere on my channel and things like that. But the movie's still happening. We're filming now in October. It's looking like so that's really going well. Um, you know, excited with some of the stuff I'm working on and things like that. Um, yeah, so overall I've been doing good. There's been some personal stuff and then other just internet drama with a capital D, um, going on, which is always frustrating and mentally exhausting and tiring and damaging. But, uh, but overall I am, I am doing well. So. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. Marla, it's good to see you. You were here with us back in March. And we're really yes. happy to have you back here. Thanks for being here and taking time of out of your day. Uh, how have you been? How's thing, how have things been going these last few months? Uh, well, we're 36 out. Oh, sorry. 36 hours out from uh, FFS. So that's um, all things. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm here on the show and it's going to be a completely different phase by the time this thing airs oh i won't put the video up just for you i won't <laughs> oh, have, have, like ffs is exciting and awesome and i'm excited for you but like take care of yourself because i i will be i will say not to not to make you scared but it was of all the surgeries that i've had i've had three tran- um gender confirmation surgeries that one was the hardest one to recover from so make yeah i i have watched many friends closely go through it and mm-hmm. i mean i think i've done all the preparing that i can possibly do i i have 
all the stuff I could possibly need. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think right now I'm most afraid of just one waking up in, you know, all the discomfort and all the mayhem and um, all the bandages. And then the worst, oh, the worst part of it. I very specifically chose a doctor who was close by um, that works right next to a hospital in the same network. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's like 10 minute drive. This would be fantastic. Well, Mara. I like him a lot. Yes. Mara, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just realized who you are. I've, I've been like following <laughs> and sharing your TikTok videos. Like I, I, I shared a ton of TikTok videos like a week ago. And I was like, why does Marla look so damn yeah. familiar? I, it was this one to be specific. Surgery. You're so pretty. You're so oh. fast. <laughs> I what the number one reason is to beat this filter. <laughs> it's like I know this person from somewhere. Oh, I'm following them on TikTok. Oh Marla, my god. Marla, will there be will there be a Broadway show celebrating or a big facial reveal that uh, you plan to do? Um. I don't know. I don't know. I, I literally, I was joking and I was, I, I might do it anyway, but I was thinking about, you know how Dylan Mulvaney had that um, skirt with the mechanical little things. I was thinking about just getting like a few pieces of long cardboard and cutting them out and just going like this. Yes, please do that. That would be beautiful. <laughs> I would love that so much. Uh, are you friends? You're friends with Dylan, aren't you? Yes. Oh my God! Could you like ask them if they'd come on our podcast for us? <laughs> Next time I see her in person, sure. Oh my God! Um, I've asked her so many times. I gave her the idea. I said you should have the Dylan Mulvaney show, and she liked it back in March. So she knows mm -hmm. the name of the show. That's exciting. But you know, she'd rather go on Chelsea Handler's podcast. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so well, that's so exciting, Marla. I'm really happy for you. This is you oh, personally. I plan on combining my facial feminization surgery with my bottom surgery and getting a Cardassian kind of modification and putting a clit on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> oh I get gosh. mine in November, so I feel you. I'm scared, but at the same time, I want this so bad. It's it's very having gone through. It's very well worth it, but it is it is a recovery. It is definitely a recovery. Yeah, I think the the scary part was also like navigating through insurance because mine had turned me down at one point, and then now they're finally covering it. But the doctor, the the surgeon I wanted to see is taking would take like another year. So instead, I'm going with Ozaki for um my current one that's going to be in November. Yeah, so it is good results. Of, uh, you'll be on a short hiatus from our show for a few months because next month probably when the show airs i don't know so here soon you'll be uh having your own experience with facial organization surzy yeah really when awesome. i get my new face i'm gonna give you my old one please commit crimes with it mm -hmm. welcome to banks we're gonna be doing it uh face-off style like with john travolta and nicholas cage i'll take the idea i'm down marla will you be my john travolta or my nicholas cage we can swap faces <laughs> sure 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 maybe uh, that's that's what you know what i want playing when I go under, I want, um, uh, they're going to take your face off. <laughs> they're going to rumble. I want something creepy that way I have like nice dreams while I go under, you know, like maybe some like hellish creatures in my dream induced coma. I had one of those. What? They'd be cute. Oh, I saw demonic symbols in my dream last night. That was, was it from Encased? That's all I care about. 
no, I, I was floating up and the room got red and I saw devil stuff and then my partner woke me up because I was making noises. So oh, anyway, sorry. so Mariana, um, we <laughs> haven't seen you since the day we changed the name of our show officially mm. on this show. It's so exciting. That was December 12th. I'm so excited to have you back. It's been so long. Hi. 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 So how's, how's it going? How's, how's things going for you? It's going. Got to keep trucking. Unfortunately, things are all over the place around here. But, you know, I'm not as not as popular as our other guests. I'm just another random Internet goblin just doing her you're thing. You're popular to me, Mariana. You know that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just, you're like amazing. Don't don't underestimate yourself. I agree. Or I'll come over there. Yeah, you know, yeah, you do it. You come out to here to the middle of nowhere and, and show me what to do. So give me your address and just see how quickly <laughs> I arrive. Uh, on the show live, dox yourself. I'll, I'll dox be like, Jesus, right I come early. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marianne, it's good to have you. Jesse, Marla, mm. so I thought today that we would just, you know, as I said, celebrate each other. So I don't know. I've I've been like, you know, doing so much in my life lately that I haven't been able to time. I haven't had time to just like chill out and relax. And like lately I have been, and it's just been so nice. I've been listening to music and, and writing and reading my old writings. And it's, it's just like bringing joy to my life. So I'm just happy to, to be here. You know, um, I don't know what kind of music everybody listens to, but I kind of just like music. And I thought maybe I could like make a music podcast one day where I could like super analyze all the songs that I like and like the hidden meanings and how they connect all the other songs and like the influences that all the artists that I like had on others and then explore them and then like just learn and like you're really good and, until like Sugarland will let me meet them and then I'll be happy and I'll be able to die so anyway um woman with goals yeah it's big goals big goals but I was I was gonna ask I was gonna yeah can we I, get into yeah, the yeah, deep, I need to the know I need answers content here Jesse, answer for your crimes. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. I I am I I legitimately literally it is exporting now. I won't. If you want my full thoughts, go watch the video that'll be out by the time. G this give is us the cliff notes. The cliff I am notes gonna watch version, the video. The cliff notes version of my problem with that episode and the season generally, excluding two episodes, because the, there's two episodes that actually go against this, and I explain why in the video. But my problem with Star Trek: Strange New Worlds is the entire season is this very kind of view neoliberalist view of trust the system trust the, like give yourself over to starfleet give yourself over to this system um and it'll all be fine instead of it being about the system letting you self-actualize for yourself and my problem very specifically with the musical episode is like a lot of the songs are quite uh, about like oh we should just give ourselves to starfleet like the final end song of the whole musical is we know our purpose is to protect the mission altogether we stand as one uh like like it's 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 this very conformist song about like just conform to the system our our entire purpose of human as human beings is to do the starfleet mission instead of starfleet enabling them to be their best selves which is what star trek should be about and so i actually in a lot of this season has that like you even get a lot of um like the whole thing with um uh um or ortegas the whole the whole season every single beat with her the entire season is i am ortegas i fly the ship and that beat is reiterated over and over and over again and her identity is linked solely to her function for starfleet we don't get to learn about why she wants to be a pilot we don't get to 
to learn why she likes being a pilot. All we know is that her identity is what she does for Starfleet. And okay. so the whole season is very like conformed to the machine. And I, and, and the fact that they mix that with a, an episode earlier in the season, that's like Starfleet is, is a machine that uh, like actually can like oppress people and kick them out for being who they are. I'm like, so you're going to say, trust the system. The system works when you're actually showing that the system can actually harm people. And so I have a major problem with that this season. Uh, and that's my main overall issue with the whole season. <laughs> my issue like going into this conversation is that I wanted to say you're wrong. And you've convinced <laughs> me that you're not wrong, but I still don't like it because I love the episode. Yeah, Justin. It's fun right. to love, so, you know, I fun to love the see. episode. Yeah. yeah, we're going to need you to change reality. Be more than <laughs> I, was ex- right. I was expecting a debate. Yeah, I was expecting like we could be like, no, you're wrong on this. You make a very good point. And I see how strong that logic is, and you're right. But I'm still sad because I love <laughs> well, that. That's episode. why we have to. That's why we have to go on TikTok lives and just wait for transphobes to come by, and then we can mm-hmm. fight them. Oh I no, can, thank you. I can. I can say this. What I can say is, I I can't specifically talk about it because it's not out yet. But it will be by the time this goes live. Is I got the screeners for Star Trek Lower Decks, and that season actually is fantastic because there's literally an episode where they go, Starfleet is about letting you be your be your weirdo weirdo self. So like Lower Decks gets it. Strange New Worlds. The think- basic the way the way that I break it down in the video is Picard season three was like your conservative uncle's Star Trek, yes. where it's like, yes. oh, everything's like, what's what yeah. get a nostalgia. The next generation is scary. Like all the youths are gonna turn into the Borg mind virus. Um, like that was conservative Star Trek. Strange New Worlds feels like enlightened centrist Star Trek, and then Lower Decks is like like weirdo like leftist Star Trek. <laughs> I love Lower Decks. Yeah, Lower like, Decks. Mariner. Am I the only one who sees Mariner? as having some sort of trans queer coding oh she i mean she's definitely she's bisexual within the show so she's definitely queer Um, yeah i I figured she's queer of some sort but there's a couple times where she said some stuff that i've been like that just sounds like such a trans like like is there a trans writer on the show like the egg scene when she was going through the mushroom or the the gas and she was like oh you got me out of my egg (laughs) and i'm like See, my theory is Tendius Trams because, um, number one, we learned she has a dead name, the Mistress of the Winter, Winter Constellations, that she doesn't yeah, like true. using. She, uh, they, There's one episode where they say, like, oh, Orion women have pheromones, and she says not all Orion women do, and she's talking about herself. And so she says, so she's like her, her, mm-hmm. like, she does not like a cis woman uh, in Orion standards. Uh, and then her whole story, and this is, I, again, I can't talk about the episode, but there is a Tendi episode this coming season that I've seen from the screeners that is quite literally about her being like, I was assigned assassin at birth and I chose to be something else. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mariner is hands down my favorite Star Trek character. If oh, Tendi and Mariner are gonna be my like equal favorite characters now. Mm-hmm. I love the shit out of them. Marla, have also, you ever Tawny seen Star Trek? Also, the sweetest person, so anyways. I have not seen any newer Star Treks. My father was like a Star Trek enthusiast. Everything was Star Trek. He watched Star Trek all day, all night, and of course never picked up any of the <laughs> leftist values, but um, um, yeah, I grew up on um, mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine and um, Voyager and Next Generation. 
I've never seen Star Wars. Deep Space Nine is the best one? Correct, yes. I also like Deep Space Nine. I will die. Wrong. The best one is the animated series. Green with the Packlets first showing up. It has Satan in it for whatever reason. It's fantastic. Okay, Satan is chill. You can't beat Giant Spock. I mean, I would love Giant Spock to beat me, but that's neither here nor there. The thing I love about the animated series is like there with with the devil shows up in it and he's like the chillest dude and he's like come and have some drink like he gives everyone beer oh, yeah let's like, chill and then in star trek there's also god in star trek 5 and he's a giant dick so star trek gets it <laughs> satan is chill and god is a giant dick <laughs> accurate yeah so i have a question just generally i suppose like i i i started dating a person who wasn't into star trek and, it, and then they later ghost me so is that a red flag is that just like general yeah, red flag if, if it doesn't watch trek? i'm not gonna date you that's yeah. how that works i've never Go seen on. star trek what's yeah, what's sorry you're off the me? list then caroline uh, yeah, sorry, Caroline. Much... You will not be rearranging my insides. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I won't uh, do that because I don't, I don't do that. That's not my, I'm not. No. I, I'm going to be honest. The only reason I know Star Trek is my ex loves Star Trek to the point that she put it on every night before bed. So okay. I've seen everything from the original up to Deep Space Nine. I think that you was like uh, those old Star Wars. I saw Star Wars. I saw some of that. It's not the same thing. <laughs> One has magic and the other has magic. Oh, you're right. <laughs> There's different like types of space magic. Right? Every Native American stereotype. What is the oh, force? Is that the or what's the what's the thing in Star Trek? That's what are they? I mean, a lot of science in Star Trek is magic. Like this season on Spring's yeah. World is an episode, which I also talk about being a problem, but they're like, Spock's all human now. It's like, how, how does that work? DNA, DNA does not work that way. <laughs> no. When so, it comes yeah. to Star Trek, there's so many good things that they could do with just regular math, like topography, especially when they're talking about the field. Like even with the recent stuff, I'm a big, I, I work in an engineering field involving satellite communications and I have several degrees in math and science. And it just blows my fucking mind that every time they make up this horrible fucking techno babble stuff, when it's like, you could easily bring math into this. Like, you, oh yeah, the, the we're talking about how this war bubble does this. And it's like, yeah, that'd be solved easy if you know it's you, know, you um, could turn my... it inside out. My producer, my the producer for my film is Dr. Erin McDonald, who is the science advisor for Star Trek. And she, she, she is, she literally talks about that in some of. She's like, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to get her in trouble, so I'll, I'll keep it vague. But she's like, some shows come to me and ask me to yes and their story and say, how do we do this in the good science way? And then there's some Star Trek shows that come to her and be like, make it work, make it make sense, and she's just like, ah, that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, oh, we're in chaotic space. Okay, explain what chaotic space is. Oh, it's the Omega particle. Like, yeah. okay, explain why this does this. Please give some sort of explanation. Mm-hmm. Give me something. Has, has anyone seen the new season of Black Mirror? Because I hated it so much. So Half of the episodes were like magic and supernatural. I was like, when am I going to get a science explanation of what's going on? Well, and I never did. Yeah, the I reason is that they wanted to do it. They wanted to do a supernatural spinoff called Red Mirror, which is what that final episode uh, was. And it feels uh, like the what's his face? Um, tra- was it, is it 
is it Charlie Brooker who writes it? Yes. I believe it's him. He writes it. He um, I, It's very clear he was trying to work out some of that stuff in his system because it didn't get picked up and he was trying to like backdoor pilot it. So that's very clear what it was very clear, like what that season was about. Yeah, that season Black Mirror becomes very milk toast. I feel yeah. like. the first I episode of the season was the only good episode of the entire say, season. I was going to say, I really liked the first episode. I liked how they made uh, references to the, the, the strikes and SAG after and all of that. Uh, uh, speaking of which, Jesse, I'm curious. Um, have have the strikes um affected your your filmmaking at all, or is that not connected to you whatsoever? It it is and it isn't. I mean, this is what I talked about in the the video. Sorry, uh, because I I won't. I'll do the short version too. I did a video on it, so I want to be careful with how I I say this because, um, what the strikes are doing is they are striking against the AMTPT, which is the like basically the big studios like Disney, Warner Brothers, all that stuff. Um, and so the productions that they are striking against are those productions. And one of the things that SAG specifically has uh, like talked about is it's important to do independent productions to show we don't need the studios. And there was like a whole other conversation that people were having. It's like, well, if you're on strike, be on strike, don't work for stuff. And it, it's, it was a weird like misunderstanding of like how strike should work. It's like strike the people you're striking against and then go and make your money elsewhere and show you don't need the system. So like Bob Odenkirk was like, be on strike. It's like, no, you should, should do this. So anyways, um, so my film, I'm not a WGA member, and I'm and so I I wrote it, so that doesn't affect the writing aspect of it. The thing that would is all of my actors that I have on it are SAG uh, actors. Um, so it was one of those like we submitted months before we knew the strike. We knew the strike was coming, and so we submitted months before to get our uh, production approved by SAG. Um, and unfortunately, they like because of bureaucratic nonsense they didn't get back to us until like the week before and then they like said oh you need to submit all this other paperwork that we had already submitted there was a whole bureaucratic mess that i found very frustrating and anger inducing um and and it, even even with the like caveat of being like i understand you're dealing with a lot right now it's probably hectic over there but there was there was stuff that happened where it was just like very clearly being very rude but anyway support sag after support the actors support the strike like 100 percent. just the bureaucracy of big unions sometimes gets very frustrating especially when it's clear their eyes on certain the big system of the, their eyes on the ball of the big system and not like helping independent productions so anywho it affected us in the sense that because of the bureaucratic nonsense we had to cancel our shoot dates and we have rescheduled to another day which has caused a hectic filmmaking stuff but in terms of like how the strikes are actually affecting us in terms of like can we film or not we can 100 still film um you know we're still able to go forward it's just unfortunately bureaucracy is bureaucracy and we have to deal with it so that's so, the short it, version i can go into more detail if we wanted to but but ultimately at the end of the day just to be clear we we are going to film um and also we support this we support the actors we support the strikes we've been made very clear to all of our crew and cast like if anyone's ever uncomfortable feels like there's any problems they're welcome to vocalize it, but everyone seems pretty, pretty excited about it and, and good to go. And, you know, so, yeah. Is that how, like, Ryan Murphy is doing it? Because, like, why is he still filming, like, American Horror Story? But, like, isn't, aren't these people a part of the? Yeah, I mean, it's, app? it's, yes. So, SAG, like, the thing, the thing with it is, is that, like I said, they're striking against the AMTPT. And so with with the strikes, it's like they are not allowed to work for any of the films for those big for those big companies that fall under that. There are some things like, uh, I believe, A24, for example, is not with the MTPT. They signed a deal with SAG that and, and the WGA that says uh, that they 
that, that like both sides agree with. Like they 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 both sides said this was cool. And so SAG AFTRA workers can go and work on A24 films, for example. And the reason why that dis like that distinction is important is, you know, it's trying to show that these actors and writers do not need the big studio system in order to make to, in order to get work and in order and like we can make things outside of the system and so when i when i hear like some actors and i want to be very careful because i want it to be like very clear like people deserve especially the working class actors who do not make a, a lot of money and working class writers which is the predominant bulk of the people in the unions they absolutely deserve to be paid well they deserve to be treated with respect they deserve to not have their likenesses stolen and things like that so it's very clear like that like support them across the board but it's also important to realize that like this industry especially in hollywood is built up upon like supporting the billionaires and millionaires who do not understand art and just see it as like a way to make more money they they don't really see art as an expression of self they don't see the creativity and the passion that people put into this work and they just see it as like a line on their their budget sheet and so it is important to support more independent media made outside of the hollywood system in order to show that like this system is not the only way that this art can get made that people can support them themselves so I, it is, it is, uh, so like with my production, we're made with Nebula, which is a like is a streaming service, but it's creator owned. It's uh, owned by like YouTubers who make it up. It's like all the stuff is made by like collective decision um, within the company. So it is, it, it is trying to support more independent maze made outside of the system uh, that can support, you know, artists more directly being able to make their work. So, yeah, I mean, I I am very much believed that like if you're going to keep the Hollywood studio system going, uh, people deserve to be paid correctly, paid fairly. Get rid of like these like the mini rooms and all that jazz. Make sure everyone gets treated fairly. But I also think we should start be start supporting things outside of the Hollywood system because the Hollywood system is not going to change. It is a very mm -hmm. capitalist enterprise. So yeah, we have the same problem over in the theater world. It's the exact same thing. And I'm like, I'm so disappointed that we have not joined in on the strike just like just to take advantage of the movement like the way we're going like it would help the strike it would help theater it like it's an all-around you know productive for both sides and we have not done anything about it mm -hmm. same thing over here the pay unless you're doing broadway even if you're doing off-broadway a lot of the pay is absolute crap mm -hmm. it's unlivable um if you're i mean I, i've done you know things in the city for major theaters, we're not Broadway, and it's four hundred a week in New York City. Are you in? Are you what? Um, Here's some cab fare. It's it's wild. Um, you know, there's maybe like four or five regional theaters that pay a, a good living wage. There's um, the national tours, which can be decent depending upon which one you get. Um, and then all the other theaters, it's like, I, I'm an, an equity member. I'm a union member and I'm being offered $300, $400 a week. Like mm -hmm. what world are we in? And that's, you know, this is theater where you have to show up and do the show over and over every single day. This is not, yep. you know, one and done. Um, and it's the same issue over here, especially on Broadway. It's like all these producers do not care. It is literally, they're like, okay, what jukebox musical can we make with some music 
I don't care if the story's good. I don't care if it makes sense. We're going to do a musical with the music of, I don't know, the fucking Beach Boys and all, you know, your parents are going to come see it and we're going to make money. But they're not. It's it, everything is failing. Mm hmm. It's why you're seeing in Hollywood right now, like a lot of these summer blockbusters failing because a lot of them are chasing several things. They're chasing like the thing that worked before. So it's big IPs, big movies and everything kind of just conform. Again, talking about conformity, like everything just conforms to like make the same thing is why you're seeing Marvel movies just become just very corporate and ubiquitized. Like the Ant-Man movie, just, you could see the, the Ant-Man movie is like introduce new villain, make sure that this character gets a, like it's, it's very done by checklist instead of like actually telling stories that people want to be to be told and so a lot of and so everything is just like intellectual property so it's it's very easy to sell and market to people uh just sell them the same thing over and over again you know uh very simplified themes of like family um non-controversial stuff so don't put any queer people in it because that'll ostracize the like Mm -hmm. like right-wing folks we just want to make it so it's uncontroversial very easy can be just sold doesn't have deeper meaning to it it's just aesthetic um it's just like the aesthetic of star wars not the deeper meaning of stars the aesthetic of star trek without the deeper meaning of star trek it's just like all this aesthetic sort of stuff um and and so that does a few things in my opinion if we're going to get into like political discussion but it does um on the one hand it just like it means like the studios are not there to actually enable artists telling good art. They're just there to like regurgitate the same stories and over and over and over again, which is why AI is so appealing to them because AI is just, you know, regurgitating the same stories that they think work over and over again. It can just make the same. It's just the way that their brain works of like, just make the same thing over and over again, just slightly different and remixed. And as a result of that, because things become more and more aesthetic, um, it, it denies like art getting actually like meaningful art getting made. And also it allows fascism to creep into our our art quite often because art fascism is all about just aesthetics. It's all just about the aesthetic of power, the aesthetic of strength, the aesthetic of exuding something without any like any introspection, without looking at yourself, without looking at who you like, looking at what it means to be human. Give yourself to the machine. They Give yourself over to this greater thing. So. Like the mass media system that we have uh, mm -hmm. invigorates the the arts by putting butts in seats, and that's what pays mm -hmm. the bills. And creativity mm -hmm. does not do that. Conformity Emma, and Emma instruction to like. Or not Emma. Oh, sorry, nothing. Continue. Uh, okay. Sorry, uh, no worries. I thought we were on mute. But like you know, the instruction to like admire and adhere to conformity, you can market that in mass, and like the mm -hmm. distribution channels are where you make the money, and not in any part of the creative or or you know uh, product that you're actually putting out and putting that together, because mm -hmm. the distribution channels can put out a uniform product that they can stamp out. There's no difference between like a movie A and movie B, where there would be for mm -hmm. you know Broadway, where it's show A night one, show show B mm -hmm. night two. Yeah. It's why I'm way more interested in like, I always love like art that's weird and sometimes not always great, but like someone was trying to do something different than I am with like this movie that like checks all the boxes of good storytelling, but ultimately is just kind of the same, you know? I'd rather hear the second thing on your mind than mm -hmm. the first. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is theater and movies needs its Boulder Gate 3. That's, mm. that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Precisely. As long as I get to fuck a druid that turns into a bear, I'm okay. I and then I can like make jokes about having sex with bears. Um, and now well, I, I should go back and I should say, like, as far as like um, small regional theaters not being able to pay 
they're failing. They're paying nothing and still failing. I, I don't know. This industry is not, it's not going to survive at this rate. And then as far as like the, um, you know, uh, the not being controversial on Broadway, we had every show that was centered last year that was centered around um, anything but whiteness and heteronormativity failed. I mean, we had a show win a strange loop win the Tony award and close five months later. Cause it was black and it was queer and we had ain't no mole, which was like super popular bailed immediately. Um, K-pop, even though it was popular with a lot of people failed immediately. And, and, I, and it's just, I don't know if I said this last time I was here. It's just like everybody who is not white, hetero, uh, cisgender has had to learn to appreciate stories that aren't their own. Mm -hmm. And other people need to do that for these other groups. Yeah, it's it's it is it is because our society does not it, it fosters like it centers one identity, white cisgender dudes. And it tells us that we should all have empathy for them and understand their situation and their point of view, which is why you get people like they deserve they deserve this because we understand the struggle that we've that they've gone through. And whenever a queer person or a trans person or a black person or any other marginalized person like speaks up about their perspective, because it is not seen as something empathetic, something people understand is like, oh, you're just, and usually will ultimately be about why the system is failing them. And people want to make sure they don't want to upset the system because they'll lose their sense of comfort and sense of like the way the world works. They will get angry at that person. They will get angry at them. They will, they will feel like they don't want to listen to that. They don't want to go out and listen to that art because it will, it will, it will disrupt their sense of like the way the world works, that how they feel comfortable and no one wants to do that. Especially yeah. right now when, when the world is so, I mean, this is how fascism works, right? It, the world it forces people to get to these crisis moments because capitalism put, creates these endless crises moments. And then because of that, it will, it will then start to like violently reassert the system by saying, this is the way the world works. This is how it all works. And so we'll push out everyone else very violently and mm -hmm. try to reassert itself. I so I like talk about fascism. This is this this is not Caroline. This is not your. This is not no, what you're aiming for. <laughs> it is totally okay. I don't mind because it's something that's affecting all of us, and it's a real thing. And and um, I also will be having another podcast about like civic journalism that mm -hmm. Athena and I have been working on together so passionately. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like dedicated. I don't know why yeah. I said it like that, but um, so that's where we put all the doom and gloom. Well, like one that. thing that I think that we need to like counter that sort of conformist culture is people who are radically capable of being divorced from that system of, of needs that are set up by the systems to distribute media and things like that. Like the spirit of Abby Hoffman in publishing Steal This Book, right on the cover, there's the instruction to make sure he doesn't make any profit off of that, right? Mm -hmm. or, or That's why like I'm trying to do it with my film too. Yeah. Yeah. Writing is fun. Do you write... Uh... Well, obviously, you're right, uh, Jesse. Um, Marla, do you write often? I've tried my hand at it. I just, I get distracted. Um, I, I mean, I, I've written um, copy for things before, but as far as like writing a full piece, no. I did, <laughs> I hate saying this because someone's going like, to pick it up and like do it better and it's going to like win an award. But like literally 
by January 8th of 2021, I was writing a dark comedy about January 6th um, of like, almost like um, if you've ever seen No Exit or maybe it's a little bit like uh, Waiting for Godot, like of all these senators, like trapped in a panic room, all like waiting for someone to come save them and blaming each other. And um, oh, That's a great idea, actually. That's actually a really cool idea. That makes well, me think of that one episode. I don't know if anyone here ever watched House of Cards, but that made me think of that one episode where the entire episode, um, the, the president and all the main characters were trapped in a room because uh, someone mailed them anthrax. And just them <laughs> dealing with being in lockdown, and it was. It was, it was I like I like anyway. prison shows. I like prison. Mm-hmm. I I've seen a show. It's called Wentworth. Has anybody seen that? It's an Australian show. What's it called? Uh, Wentworth? Wentworth. Yeah, Wentworth. Yeah, with Joshie. Yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah, with um, with what's her name? Um. Oh my God. I There's can't... a lot of hers in that show. So many. I love prison shows. Orange is the New Black. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the fear of being As somebody enslaved. who's been to jail, I will tell you, do not listen to those shows. Oh, obviously. They're just fabricated. But well, Yeah, the, you know, the closest you'll get to an actual jail in those shows was in season two, of, uh, season two, episode one of Orange is the New Black. You know that part with like the roaches where yeah. they're like, oh yeah, we put bets on this roach. That's probably a little closer because we had flies and roaches in the jail I was in. Yeah, I was. Granted, they all, you know, they they do make good company. I was. They're fantastic listeners. They don't talk back or judge you. Uh, sh- yeah. Shall we? While we're on this subject, should we talk about um, Jessica Watkins begging Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and all these other Republicans to put her in a women's prison? Yeah. Uh, like, oh. oh my God, girl. They should. Girl. In a face party. They should. 100% they should. But here oh you are, God. like, at, you think asking room. them is going to get you anywhere? There's no pity. There. The wrong tree. I don't know yeah. what she thinks Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to do for her. I don't like her. It goes back <laughs> to um, we know the rules aren't for people who aren't rich and, uh, and white. Like, Mm-hmm. and you know also cisgender like why why you know that they're not for you why are you doing this go- girl i was gonna it's, say gal but it'd be girl uh, i mean it's it's yeah. a, it, it goes to like what i mean i've seen it a lot recently i mean like without getting into drama but i i because drama nonsense online um but like i've just seen like even especially people who are closer to an identity that can like conform to the system, whether you're rich, whether you're white, whether you're a dude, whether you're a sister, like, like you, you see a lot of like gay, I mean, it's why you see TERFs, right? It's also why you see uh, gay uh, cisgender men, like, like being like, well, let's like, let's not focus on these issues. Now we got, we, the system will accommodate us. We got gay marriage. You know, we, you know, we, a TERFs are just like, well, we can be accepted as like women of certain economic privilege. Why TERFs are mainly, mainly like rich cisgender white women. You know, it's like they, 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 they understand that they are pressed by a system, but they are willing to try to conform to it because it gives them a sense of like the way the world works over and over and over again. It's like they would rather conform to a system that will accommodate them at times as long as they conform to it rather than actively trying to tear it down because that will mean that they will have to be uncomfortable or yeah. deal with less security. Privilege yeah, over liberation. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it seems like people that are part of marginalized groups, like trans people that get into far right politics, they have this impression that those groups of people will carve out an exception for them as long as they toe toe the line hard enough. But in the end, they never do. No. Now, I've got a friend who's in in a church and was in a church her whole life, and before she transitioned, they they kicked her out after during the transition. Like, you know, all all of that. And it was dedicate, decades of, of her life to this particular church and trying to find like an, a new home. Um, but she still believes like very hard in the same fundamentalist beliefs about what the Bible is and what it means. And to her, it's, you know, some kind of spiritual or, or exceptional kind of thing that's happened to her that's not necessarily yeah, it's a liberation for everyone. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, also- this applies to everybody except me. Yeah, yeah. It's main character syndrome and character mm-hmm. syndrome yeah well it's a story uh i'm doing a video about star wars about like the the story of how our like neoliberalist world tells stories of heroes like it wants heroes because heroes like if democracy is always fail if democracy is always failing it always needs heroes to come and save it so it's like these ideas that we are like we are individuals who can like choose to reassert the system or stop it from being destroyed instead of like understanding that we we should have systems that enable us as people and so that's like it's a big video i'm doing on star wars and like how star wars is the story of like the story neoliberalism tells itself this constant loop of like we fall into fascism but then we come back to democracy we fall back into fascism but then we fall into go into democracy over and over and over again and just an endless loop back upon itself yeah while we're on the top star wars (laughs) i want to give my hot take that i think i i like the last jedi and one thing I liked about The Last Jedi is uh, Ray's parents turning out to be nobodies mm-hmm. because I didn't I don't like the the narrative um, in a lot of Star Wars movies where it's very a great man history kind of deal mm-hmm. where you're just born superior and you're born with this connection to to the Force that makes you better than everybody else. Well, that little kid who grabs the broom at the end with the Force to me yeah. was a more um, hopeful message than hey by the way this really old crusty fuck uh, got so and so pregnant and you're actually the great granddaughter of this other person so it's really been just one family fucking up the galaxy for like who knows how long and then JJ mm-hmm. came in and ruined everything but don't don't yeah. don't get me digressing on Star Wars anyway yeah because yeah, yeah, we all know Star Trek is better I've only but, seen the first six episodes of that of that and, uh, and that's Star all Wars. you need to and even then you've probably gone too far. <laughs> it was what, up, what about Rogue One? Rogue One okay, just, Rogue, okay, Andor the, I, I will I would even argue Andor. Andor at least is and, like one of the most revolutionary shit. Like I want every I mean, I always feel this this way. But after every episode of Andor, I'm like, I want to go out and punch a Nazi right fucking now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ro- Rogue, was cute, so. The premise of Rogue One bothers me because the entire plot is centered around fixing the plot hole of the original movie, mm-hmm. but it doesn't fix the plot hole because they do the blown up the Death Star thing in Return of the Jedi and again in Force Awakens. So how do we explain those? From a science point. That weakness does make sense. So before anyone says that, that is not true. You would <laughs> need an exhaust. I will I die on this hill. All right. What I, what I, I like about Rogue One. Star Wars. I still don't get it. What? 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 I mean, I, I get it. I get the premise of like you know, you know, it's like a, isn't it like a underturn for like a you know fascist versus like you know communist? It's 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 fascist. No, it was fascist. It, fascism versus democracy. So it's basically like neoliberalism versus fascism is basically the idea. But it, it's uh, if I, I I get into a whole tangent because like I said, I have a whole video on this. But it's very it's much like. Here. 
Joseph Campbell's hero's journey written to science fiction where it's yep. like, oh, it's go and like there's a hero who like needs to go into the cave and save mm-hmm. everything. But uh, and then I go into this long history in this video about like how Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is about like excluding a lot of like important like cultural differences in a lot of mythologies and trying to shove it all into like the way he views the world that centers men, that centers white dudes, that centers Western culture. Anyways, that's what I liked about the Barbie film was that not to spoil it, but it doesn't follow so much of the hero's journey. It follows with this like they call like the heroine's journey of the which is like the females, like the, the woman's journey of um of, of like that hero's journey aspect. So that which is I don't uh, I don't, I don't know, Caroline. It sounds kind of like woke feminism to me. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, know. anything that has a heroine in it is obviously woke. So obviously, mm-hmm. checkmate, liberals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Barbie. I think one of the two, but again, I've watched, listened to a lot of analyses on it. So without like going into it, it feels like commodified feminism, which is ultimately like number one, it is commodified because it's like through Barbie, so it's ultimately upholding Mattel as like a product and how capitalism makes all critiques of itself part of itself. Um and and then also like framing it as an us versus them thing where it's like this constant need to frame like everything tries to create things as like binary forces so we have democrats versus republicans women versus men and so feminism is always seen as this like thing for women versus this thing for men and so what i've heard that i liked about barbie is that it like also represents how ken is also harmed by the system and trying to understand where like that feminism is actually for everybody and is about like understanding how we actualize ourselves um but then there's another good critique about how like barbie centers itself around whiteness quite often like it's like the the mode through which we have this conversation always filters through whiteness instead of understanding like a different perspective so it still creates a binary antagonism within oh jesse did uh did you watch the um i don't know if you know verily bitch oh yeah 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 yeah. the the plastic feminism of barbie yeah yeah, no she's 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 very she's very very good verily i've i've I've, we've we've talked she's been a couple of my videos actually so she's she's oh okay yeah yeah Yeah, i i watched that video and i thought she made some fantastic points about how the the feminism of barbie is kind of uh shallow and watered down in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. i i I didn't want to watch the video at first because i loved the barbie movie and i don't want it ruined for me by accurate critiques but um like well there were some stuff in it though that you after you athena i talked too much okay yeah, no worries well barbie like itself is like you know a demonstration that women can do anything that's kind of what you're putting into the hands of, of young girls is the idea that they can become anything so in that that sense it's it's just a liberation in one way but it's in this era that it's heavily gendered and we get the separation and gendered toy aisles and all of that and mattel's got to market highly to one group versus the other to like really try and draw out these differences between the He-Man and the She-Ra or the My Little Pony and the G.I. Joe of the era, whatever the case may be, that that conflict is something that, you know, uh, created a divide whenever I was young where I couldn't go into the girls' aisle. Uh, I got uh, made fun of and told that I was gay when I was in the third grade just for buying a gift for a friend of mine who was a girl. Yes. Yeah, so it's by Barbie, and suddenly it's oh, what are you gonna go wear dresses? I mean, yes, yeah, I'd like to. My, the only question is, is are you just saying that because you're scared you might like it? But like, hey, whatever. It's it's this need, I, and I, I talk about this in the Star Trek video that I'm releasing because um, there's an episode this season 
where Spock gets turned into a human. And it goes this idea of like this, it's a trope within science fiction, but especially in Star Trek, they've done it numerous times over the years of like split the biracial person, split the biracial character. Like yeah. Spock is half human, half Vulcan. And so it's this conversation of like, well, let's discuss his human half and let's discuss his Vulcan half. And this the episode was like, let's talk about him just in human terms. And and it's it's this constant need by our society to view us as like individual forces of like, here's humanity, here's here's being Vulcan, here's being black, here's being white, here's being like these individual things instead of recognizing that like we as humans exist in all of these liminal spaces between between things and our identity is found through these intersections of of how we view ourselves rather than like this part of myself is compartmentalized this part of myself is compartmentalized um it's why i didn't like this season of of uh strange new worlds a lot because a lot of the conversation does center that way as opposed to season one where i there's a scene in season one that i loved where they have a non-binary character go and talk to spock and she literally says what i just said to him is like we 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 are we everyone wants to put us in boxes but you are not vulcan you are not human in terms of like those systems you are yourself and spock goes well what what does that mean i am and she's like well i can't answer that for you and so it's really cool to have this non-binary character have that conversation and then in season two be like no you're going to talk about you just in terms of your humanity and then it also centers a dna story as well which is like this is this is like essentializing you as like you're born this way which is weird I, I want to say I, I am going to watch your entire three-hour uh, critique of Strange New World, <laughs> and I'm going to be fuming and angry about it the entire time. It's like, how dare Jesse criticize this thing I love and be completely correct about it? Yeah, just like the, <laughs> the musical. Worst part. Just know I'm not happy about you making a very valid and like, <laughs> on point. I'm still pissed. I still like the episodes in that season I love. The Lower Decks episode Mm -hmm. and then episode two. I think music has a way, though, of, like, encouraging people to say things over the top or in ways that are, like, you know, a little bit absolutist because it sounds better. It rhymes better. It fits the scheme of our language better. To me, I thought it was more like they were trying to say that it was less about the following, like, I don't know, the queer space communism and more about working together on the ship. But Mm -hmm. you're... Your observation makes a lot more sense when you listen to the lyrics that they put out there. Like, we're here for the mission. And, and like, I, I like that one part where Spock, when they say, like, it's our prime directive, and he's like, no, it isn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, I, that I, really... Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's... it's Sorry, I cut you off. I mean, uh, the, yeah, it's... it's it, it seems to be reaching for that idea of, like... Collect, like collective action is 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 good and we work together and enable our best selves but what the distinction that i that i the, and the problem that i have with strange new worlds is it ultimately conflates that with the system of starfleet and no, you're right. of, yeah and that and that's the problem it's like if they had done the song where it's like we we know our like Starfleet is like something like, yeah it's like it's like, like Starfleet is here to enable us I don't know how you'd write this lyrics but like Starfleet is here to enable us being our best selves is like Starfleet taught me to be the best science officer the best communicator because these are the things that I love to do and Starfleet allows me to do them if that had been the song that would have been great but the song Agreed. is more we know our purpose is to protect the mission and so everything that you do is in service of the grander like uh system. goal or you're 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 basically an ant who's the know, going for the colony that's not mm-hmm. cool and mm-hmm. scene okay everyone let's go take a bathroom break bathroom break okay. yes but i'm a human let's come back in 10 minutes fantastic <laughs> and break
Except for you, Athena. We love you. You don't get to break. You're a robot. So, Marla, it's just you and I. How's it going? I believe I'm on my um, union. I'm break. here too. I'm eating potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a non union high five for that one. Well played. I do air high fives. So if you ever see me do this, that's just an air high five. Like when you were saying, oh yeah, I'm so many hours away from uh, FFS. I was like, eh, high five. I'm trying to enjoy crunchy things while I still can. I feel bad. <laughs> uh, it's so cool. I, uh, so like for my FFS, I'm a little terrified just because like, I don't know the surgeon so much. So I'm like terrified, but at the same time, want. It's worth it. I mean, the worst that could happen is I don't wake up. Wow. Thanks for that. Um, oh. Sorry. I had a surgery like whenever I was about, you know, about 28, 27 for my face. Like they ripped off half of my face. I was like so scared of dying. So scared of like going under it was just like morbid fear. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know if I'm gonna pursue facial surgery i'm gonna try and keep surgery as minimal, minimal as possible well i'm just i'll probably do like fs and ba and that's about it that's all i really care about although yeah, I do i'm doing ba i'm doing ba in like november oh. december oh nice oh my god ac thank you oh See, this is why if there's ever a zombie apocalypse and y'all need somebody to be your distraction for the zombies i'm here for you I am not living in a world without indoor plumbing or AC. Y'all can fight and struggle and, like, do whatever. I'm good. Let the zombies eat me. I will cover myself butter, garlic, some seasoning. Those zombies will be lethargic and you can escape because I am not living in a world without AC or indoor plumbing ever again. I just feel like you don't need seasoning for zombies to really enjoy I'm trying it. to make them lethargic. Oh, AC... Oh, in the Midwest heat dome, it was like ninety. Yeah, Aria has that really the really old ACs, so it's really loud, and I can barely hear you all. Mm -hmm. Like the window uh, unit. Put my hair down now. Like I've just been wearing all black for the last week, even though it's been like ninety-eight degrees, just to absorb the heat. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Aren't you on the East Coast? No, I'm, I'm Midwest. No? Midwest? Missouri, yeah, really. Missouri. Mm -hmm. Kalamazoo, oh no, Kalamazoo's in Michigan. Uh, do you know... Shit, there's a big drug uh, corridor through there, and I forget its name. I think it's Sykeston. I have friends in Sykeston. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I'm not big. That's one thing they don't tell you about jail is you don't actually go there to reform. You get there to to learn get new contacts, things, yeah. to make new contacts. Yeah, I made you all types of contacts. Get there to be better at being a criminal, so you don't get caught the next time. Yeah, that's how I learned how to do sex work better. Well, welcome back to the Trans Narrative Podcast again. It's great to have Jesse back again um, with Marla Alpert and Mariana Basquet. We were just on a little break now we're here and we just got back from a little break within the show and so i'm really excited to have everybody back again so what were we talking about what's going on in the world lots going on um i had a few we were questions. talking about uh, mariana's pets how cute they are oh yeah that's right yes absolutely mm -hmm. well um i don't know well how's it going marla 
How's Broadway? Oh, good. Everything's on me now. Um, <laughs> I, I've ranted enough totally about totally my tough, personal so. specific uh, hyper fixations. <laughs> oh, we can talk about mine. Can we talk about mine next after Marla's? Sure. You're literally the host. You make all those choices. Yeah, honestly, this is right. you. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Marla. Um, Broadway is like it always is. There's only like a handful of shows that are doing well. Um, it's not great. Um, mostly because I'm not in it. <laughs> um, I'm dying. I'm dying to play Persephone in Hades Town. I'm just like, it's everything. Like, there's so few contralto roles out there. And that one is just so great. And I just want to do it so fucking badly. For people uh, who don't know theater stuff, what's contralto? Um, the lowest, the uh, speaking in the terms of classical, how we classically name voices, the lowest female voice. Ah, okay. Because I, I, back in, um, when I was younger, it was seen as too gay to know about stuff like that. So I don't really know a lot of it. My apologies. I am probably the only queer folk that you're going to meet who was not in drama clubs. You're you not a theater kid. I was not a theater kid. No. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go see the Book of Mormon next month, so I'm excited. Oh my god! I just had a conversation about that the other day with someone um, who was seeing it a tourist, and I was just like, "It's a ama- It's wild to me that it's still running because shows that aren't family friendly don't run as long as that show is run. It's very, very peculiar that it has. Mm-hmm. Is it? I used to listen to the music of that uh musical i haven't seen the show though and it's it's interesting just like just as terms of like a a piece by the south park folks of like this weird fixation but like making fun of mormonism but it's just weird that that show exists (laughs) well it's very weird it's accessible to a lot of people and seen as a little bit maybe more friendly to their worldview since it's criticizing another Mm -hmm. religion if it's not their own so mm. you'll see a lot of people who are evangelicals going, yeah, we can go there and make fun of the Mormons because they believe some really mm. weird things and not come away with some self-criticism from that. Uh, I, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. And so there's a lot of experiential overlap between the Witnesses and the Mormons that I'm sure I'll get a kick out of seeing satirized. So, mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff that is just kind of a little bit too on, on the nose. Uh, like, you know, there's like a whole song about fuck you god so like you know there's some things that you'll laugh like just kind of out loud at but some things that are just kind of like more worthy of the long-term criticism of how are we treating people how are we informing our youth to try and better the world we're Mm -hmm. sending people out into the world telling them they have the truth and then they're confronted with very despotic realities uh, about you know uh, especially coming from like an isolated kind of environment uh, and that's how American Christianity tends to do with their youth is to put them into programs that are isolating from danger, homeless people, marginalized people, uh, black people, gay people, like any kind of group. Black people can, where? Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but like that's just kind of how the sort goes. And then you take these people and say, you've got the way, the truth, and the light, and this is the way to fix the world. We trust you with everything. Now go out and here's Africa. Here's China. Here's here's Mexico. And we're trying to export still a culture that we've manufactured at that point. 
and which is still colonial in the same way that the original missionary work was. Aria, where are you seeing the Book of Mormon? Um, at a uh, in a theater in downtown San Diego. Oh, the tour. I didn't, I didn't know Wait. if you were going to New York. Are you are you in San Diego? I am in San Diego. We're in San Diego. Yeah, we're, we're in San Diego. Oh, the I am state? literally because I am south. I am south of Los Angeles. We should come have on, visit us, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you do you like Settlers of Catan? Yeah, I love. Settlers. Okay, fantastic. Come play Settlers of Catan and bring your magic card. Do you know where San Marcos is? Do you know where San Marcos is? Yeah. Oh yeah. You live in San Marcos. Yeah. Oh my God! This cut, is so please exciting. cut. Please cut this bit out. Of yeah, the seriously. God, yes. <laughs> okay. Can yeah, we? No, can no, we cut that? No. Um, no doubt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I'm in but. Vista. Do you know where Vista's at? Hold on. Stop. Don't. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, we're we're Wait, we can. I mean, we're it's, it's, it's fine. Just make sure. We can, let's make a yes, bunch of content that's gonna be. Let's, cut. let's let's make let's move let's move beyond. We we will talk afterwards. I just like oh, okay, no, no, yeah. Who wants to hear my address and my social security number? Yes. <laughs> Me too. Ask, Marla, I wanted to ask you by yeah. the way, just to get us on track. How did you get into? What made you want to get into acting? I always love hearing from actors like why they loved acting. Um, you know, I. I went into high school and I, I had no plans of doing acting. I was in uh, the marching band because my parents made me take music lessons as a kid. Um, and then we were across from the theater, you know, classes and the shows and all that. Cause all, all they, they shoved all the weird arts kids into one corner of the school. Yep. Um, and um they were doing Bye Bye Birdie my freshman year and someone dropped out and they needed someone to play Harvey Johnson, um, which is like this tiny little featured role. He's like the the nerdy kid um, who literally is scripted vocally to crack on the high notes. Um, what's I don't even know if I can do, like it's so hard. I don't even know if I can purposefully crack like that anymore, but it's like, um hello mr hankel this is harvey johnson can i speak to deborah sue (laughs) um so um i did that and then i just kind of fell in love with it and then i was valedictorian in high school i I feel like i did this all in the last podcast i was on i was valedictorian in high school and i wanted to go do theater and everyone was like you're gonna waste your brain on that um so i went to tufts university um to get a pre-veterinary um, degree. And I was just like, I, I fucking hate this. I hate blood. Oh. I want to do, I want to do things that will um, have a larger, wider impact. That's not to say like being a, that doesn't, I mean, saving animals is great, but like, you know, no one's gonna I, I it's one of those things where I, I think it's more like a fear of death where it's like well i'm gonna die one day but i have to be remembered so i gotta do something yeah um yeah. i know that so um yeah i think that's what got me into it just a fear of death really um <laughs> it is it is funny too because like uh bye bye birdie was like one of my first like trans moments as a kid because i got mm-hmm. i my my theater director like came in and it's like well because i auditioned is like well we have a part for you and we uh, want to see if you're okay with it. Would you want to play the main character's mother? 
<laughs> and I got to play like the the old lady. I got to wear like yeah. dresses on stage. It was very fun. Anyways, just was like, oh, bye bye, Birdie. Weird, weird trans moment. Anyways, I didn't mean to cut you off. It was just funny. Yeah, I mean, so I dropped out of school and I went and got a uh, um, BFA in musical theater. Um, and now I'm here. And it was great. It was great till I transitioned. I mean, like, one of the reasons I didn't transition is because I had this huge operatic baritone voice that no one else had anymore. And, you know, you're getting um, uh, smoke blown up your ass 24 seven of, Oh my God, nobody sings like this anymore. And it's like, well, I like being told I'm good at things. I hate being a man, but like, I, I, yeah, I, I like being told I'm good at things. So I kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And I was, you know, seeing success. And then I transitioned and now it's a whole other fucking ball game. Like even, even working on the stuff for Persephone, it's like, yeah, I can do it, but I can just barely do it right now. Can I do it eight shows a week? Can I do it with the same type of energy and still hit all the notes? I don't know. It's always going to be harder for me than it is for anyone else. But again, talking about like how systems aren't made, it is it is interesting too that that idea of like you're told that you're good at things until you transition, and then you're suddenly like, oh, you have to like work harder because number one, like the systems aren't made for you, so you have to work harder for it. And then people also don't like recognize your hard work just to like be able to exist there. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. I mean, it feels a lot of time, you know, even if I'm doing something good, it feels a lot like you're really good for a trans person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's, the, it's the same thing I experienced in the YouTube space where it's like, if I talk about trans issues, my videos do well because people expect that. But then if I talk about Star Trek or something else, like the videos don't do well because it's like, oh, we don't want to hear your thing on this. We want to mm-hmm. hear like people talk about this. Yeah. See, that's what I don't, that's what I, I don't like always having to have that conversation. conversations and then it just goes back to our identities and trans issues and activism, you know, and that's something that, you know, I, we've done so much of that this year. Every guest we've had, we've always gone into that. And it's, it's like, you know, we, we know we're going to just be able to have conversations that don't have to focus around us being trans and just it starts with like we are. the whole you know world that we have around us you know it starts with ourselves identifying that yeah this is this is really normal stuff we're just dealing with like normal everyday life and then the people who are around us and our families and then our friends at work and then their friends and eventually just everybody can see that there's right. there's nothing wrong that just the normality of of being right. human it has a trans element to the experience the whole thing but the thing yeah, i like it, to think means... about oh sorry yeah no, I was just going to say that and destroying capitalism. <laughs> that too. But I mean, like, the, I mean, the film, ugh, not to talk about my, my film. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, but uh, the, the, we can only talk about things through the prism of our own identities, right? And a lot of society today is, is about like trying to essentialize us with our transness and, and ostracizing us as a way of like we can't empathize and understand. So I think a lot of like we end up talking about that is when you get a bunch of trans people together, you end up talking about that stuff because it is just what we're dealing with. And then also yeah. just our perspective on the way the world works in art. Like I I have like come to understand like as I watch in more and more art, like like I said, I'm working to become a like director working on a film and things like that. And so I'm thinking a lot about the stuff that I engage with and why I engage with it that way. And I 
I start to like understand the themes that I, I keep thinking about over and over again, I'm hyper-focused on. And I think that that's what kind of we all do because of the way we're treated by the world. And, you know, I talk about my movie and the sign, the movie that it's, it's quite literally about how it's focused on trans characters, but then how trans characters self-actualizing themselves in the sci-fi environment actually causes other people to recognize their own ways the world uh, marginalizes them because they're actually empathizing with the trans person and empathizing with their journey. And because of that, they're able to be like, oh, I also feel this way. But the way the systems work is they want you to to view yourself as other and unempathetic and thereby you can focus on the way the system works. So anyways, to go back to what we were talking about, I just think it's it's just what we're dealing with right now, which is why we always talk about it. I think that no, it's I'm just, not against it. I'm not against that. I hope that's not my. No, just, no, 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 no. I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. No, I, just, I was um, just going to say that as like a black trans person, it's like something that a lot of black folk have talked about before, especially for me before coming out as trans was you have to work like twice as hard to get half as much pay is a is a black saying. And like, that's why earlier when I made that one comment about, oh, if you think that the world works for you, you've obviously not been underprivileged enough because saw beforehand so to me it's normal but when i for a lot of the eggs that you know come out and are like bam i'm I'm a trans person that's one thing that they're not really used to is seeing that like this is your identity now not in the sense of this is to you what your whole life is about but to the outside looking in and Like, I, I know for a fact when I um, transitioned, I had a lot of people, even though I'd been knowledgeable on my field and been doing it for, like, decades, the moment that I came out, it became a question of whether or not I can do my job well enough. And that is even in a role where you need, like, multiple uh, uh, accreditations, multiple uh Uh, degrees and whatnot it still became an issue and even to this day like even if i'm not talking about i could be literally talking about i don't know like uh a daq for a key site piece of equipment and somebody will still ask me questions about like oh how does a trans person like come into this shop like i haven't always you know identified out in the open so but yeah like to a black trans person it's just weird to hear that comment of oh i try not to get involved in politics and it's like Mm -hmm. well yeah it's not about you trying to get involved in politics it's just to these outside people you are a political issue no matter what you do yeah i can i can definitely relate to that outside looking in kind of thing because back in the day i i i was already i've been progressive for a long time and i used to be a lot more willing to like debate people on topics and argue with people about my values and things like that but i definitely felt a a a shift in my mentality when it became about me it's like i don't this is my life i don't want to debate about it i don't want to argue about it well yeah you just go throughout your life and then you have these experiences of people being like oh but you're trans what about this and it's like i'm not here for that i'm here for this other thing trans is one thousand but that's all they're gonna see and that's because you're no longer seen as the norm or the everyday joe like you see and portrayed in representation like media so it is interesting because well, so- like the the ex- the way I because like my own journey with that too is like been like again like very everything is external like I was dealing with my own inside like feeling like shit because I was trans and not able to express it yeah. but like the world around me viewed me as like a neutral force even though that's a political yeah, decision exactly. to view me as a neutral force and then now I'm sort of seeing like how I am 
you know, tokenized, decentralized, made into this like product to understand through a trans lens. Um, and and what's been interesting is I've been reading a lot of philosophy. Um, and and it, I was talking with one of my my uh, fellow um, YouTubers, foreign man in a foreign land, who does really great videos on like. Oh, I stuff. love that guy. Oh, he's great. He's the sweetest human being, too. Best husband. He is, and he's so like mm-hmm. queer, queer friendly. I love oh, he him. Is, he is wonderful. And we we were talking, uh, and we were just chatting, just uh, individually. And one of the conversations, like, I've been reading a lot of philosophy, and what's been interesting to me is I read a lot of like, been reading a lot of like white trans femme like folks like writers and and what's always been interesting is like i'm like oh i'm writing a writing a video i write from that perspective then i go like well i wonder what like a like a black trans femme perspective on this is and usually it will be a lot of very similar things that the white trans femme said but it was written 30 years earlier <laughs> it's like oh yeah i see i see it, t- it takes took a little bit longer for us to get here yeah <laughs> I definitely um, don't think that, um, you know, because I like talking politics. I really do. But as somebody that's like deals with mania, I I find myself often getting so caught up into it that it becomes like my life. And then everything that I do centers around that. I can remember back in early March into February where the Michael Knowles speech had come out and it was, <laughs> it was devastating. And I remember... It was actually having, I think, Marla on the episode where my whole focus was just about getting to the point where we talked about, you know, the term genocide and if it's if it can be used in, in this sense. And that was my my whole focus was just like on these things because I hyper fixate on, on everything. And so politics can be so draining for me. And, and I guess, you know, I need to find a balance with that. And it's yeah. so hard to be in a world because you, you can't not be political. And I think that people that say that obviously are, they say that from privilege because people in privilege don't have to not be political because they, their, their lives aren't affected by these issues. But, you know, the, this next year in 2024, I can't imagine how many anti-trans bills will be coming out and how that will affect all of us. And, and so, you know, I think about that stuff, but like my mental state of mind I will catastrophize and so I find myself trying to stay away from it a little bit more as of lately so that I can find peace of mind because I I do want to say that it's it is different than saying um like I understand people saying things like oh it's not ah sorry I'm trying to conceptualize this better um it's okay to say things like you know I do things in my life that may be seen as political however it's just me living my life like I do that with a lot of uh, trans people online as you know a lot of people will approach me about like egg issues as I like to call it about being like making an omelet but it's it's perfectly acceptable to say that like it's not me doing something political it's just me seeing another human being in a situation that I have knowledge in because I was there and now I have some insight to give them and in your instance you're just you live in your life and you just happen to be trans and that's just what they focus on like that's just like another thing to going back towards your Michael Knowles thing is I feel like to me it's hard not to be jaded about some of the statements that are said because when I was living in Louisiana way back when I like in like the early 90s as a kid the um they had the KKK come on the uh uh iota broadcast system for Eunice, and they literally told us if you're black you you can't go to the mardi gras festival that year uh, or the rice festival that year so just for me it's hard because i'm used to them saying these things and at the same time it becomes difficult because 
it has gotten to the point to where these sort of threats do make it to where I'm like, well, I'm just not going to go because I, I'm, I'm worried I might die. And I recognize it's letting them win in a way, but at the same time, it's just like my own peace of mind. But yeah, so it's hard for me to see a lot of where you're coming from on the Michael Knowles thing, because it's like, you just get so used to it that it's like, oh, they're saying they're going to kill us again. Whatever. No, I'm going to no, go about I, my day. I think, I, I think you're misunderstanding. I think that, no, because I was referencing how back in March when we had Marla on, I was so hyper fixated on that. But now coming in, you know, months later, you know, just so much is happening. And I feel that like social media and and how much news is presented that it can be so toxic so taxing and so exhausting and i just i'm trying to find a balance to where i can be you know doing these things in healthy doses and yeah. as far as you know michael knows it's you know it's i see stuff every day and i and i actively go towards it athena tells me every day when i, I talk to her she's like stop going on the matt walsh's page and reading <laughs> these comments and it's like You're I know, torturing yourself I, I know it's absolute torture, but it's just, and I don't know what I do it for, but it's just but, like, cause so I can know mm -hmm. what they're saying, I guess. Mm -hmm. but that, I don't know if that's healthy anymore. In the it's a weird culture. kind of cathartic. Sorry, go ahead, Athena. Uh, no worries. We, we, we mm -hmm. are always threat scanning as human beings and like some of us is just kind of wired to like stay up late and look out on the horizon and see what might be looming from like the youngest i can remember there was always like this threat of the end of the world and sometimes it was like nuclear armageddon or sometimes mm -hmm. it was the rapture or the y2k bug or whatever <clears throat> and it's like i've got ptsd from having all of these sequential end of the world that you have to prepare for and the way i find to cope with that is to find the people in my community who identify with who seem to be struggling the hardest and delving into the issues that they're you know trying to to find resolution to um and i've found that by diving into the community and mm -hmm. by trying to listen to as many voices as i can that i don't feel like we are at as great of a threat as we might feel if we are isolated. If we reach out to each other and form communities, we are capable of overwhelming just about any kind of governmental uh, odds against us. We can we can work and network together to overcome these things. That's that's my hope. And, and that in this we form these conversation, connections. I had that conversation today. I was I was had, I was talking to a friend right before the show, and and I was reading something that I had written in 2011 and it was you know i was i was religious but i was like spiritual at the time because i was trying to find my way because like my parents they just let me do whatever i wanted so like i called one time when i was 10 saying i'm with my friend we're we're getting baptized at the church and she's like honey this is like how many times are you gonna get baptized it's like the seventh time and i'm like well it's fun being in the water everybody <laughs> smiles and cheers at me it's really nice i like that attention you know and then so i just you know went forward and i around like you know, when I was like 12 or 13, I started to have this like yearning to, to wow, okay. So I guess like the, my, my gender experience went from like not knowing what my purpose was or who I was and like, instead of like internalizing and thinking about myself, I looked into an external level. So I looked to God or, or I looked at things like that. And so that's when I went into religion and it's all the way led me back to just, you know, it's my trans journey is so intertwined with that. And I was talking about that and, and um, I, I said that I'm not so spiritual anymore. I'm not so religious. I think my faith lies in, in community and building that and, and, you know, building those bonds and, and creating a space that's better for all of us so that we can all thrive mm -hmm. and, 
and do what interests us in a healthy way. There's a yeah. there's a video that I'm I'm in the preliminary stages of writing that is kind of about that where our culture has an obsession with apocalypse. Um, with like you look at like our fiction about apocalypse of like The Walking Dead or whatever, and the idea is like if the system collapses, everyone will go back to this uh like the hu base human nature of we're only out for ourselves we're we're always going to be attacking each other and this 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 idea that like human nature is inherently cynical and awful and we're just base disgusting beings and the system is the only thing that keeps us from from falling into disarray right mm -hmm. it, it's, it's this again this idea of like the system builds us up but actually if you look at a lot of studies human beings actually form are, and actually try to form communities and yes there's there's tribalism that does sort of come sometimes with that but there there's always a sense of like reaching for others looking for others trying to find people that you you care about and, and build a sense of community and so i want to like talk about our societal obsession with apocalypse and how it the frames itself as like this cynical thing but i've been finding a lot of comfort in uh stories of like post-apocalypses that are hopeful like you look at a lot of um indigenous science fiction for example it is focused often on like a people surviving post a apocalypse because indigenous people did survive a an apocalypse and yet they're yeah, still here and still thrive exactly and and so you know i'm trying to find some indigenous folks to talk about that because i don't want to just be like white person talking about indigenous fiction but um but it is something that i'm like trying to to talk about like how you know there's a sphere of the end of the world but all even the doomerism of how we talk about climate change the world is ending right but actually while yes there will it will i'm not going to say it's going to be a good thing and that it's going to and that like there's not going to be really hard horrible shit like like as climate change occurs like it's going to be tough people will die but ultimately like there is a hope in the sense that you know we will still be able to create communities we still will keep going um and we still will find ways to to build community and build new systems that ultimately do work for people it's unfortunately has to come through this horrific thing and i wish we didn't have like i wish it wasn't happening i wish we could understand how to work to fix it and we can still do that i'm not saying we don't do that we we should always fight to try to make it better but i also want to try to get away from this idea of like oh well there's nothing we can do because the world is going to end um, uh, oh, uh, Je uh, Jesse, I wanted to say, are you familiar with David Graeber? Yes, yes. Yeah, I um, um for those for those who don't know, uh, David Graeber was um an anthropologist, uh, historian, and he was also uh big into writing about anarchist political theory. Mm -hmm. And I I always really liked his work because it's like what you were saying about um conservative ideology. Conservatism uh, is very um uh, baked into this idea that humans at their basest form are selfish and mean and violence but uh graber talks a lot about how that's not the case at all even if we were to yeah. go back to you know hunter gatherer sticks and spears like full-on uh turn the clock backwards we still see community we still see people mm -hmm. cooperating together and i always thought that was very yep. very helpful very um very good notion well like and in some of the instances we've actually seen like in a uh, uh, prehistoric so before history like when we're looking at skulls we've seen people who've had uh, injuries that makes it to where these people are going to need care for the rest of their lives and people mm -hmm. actually went out of their way to make sure that these people 
you know, because they are people, they have mm -hmm. an inherent value, and we made sure that they were taken care of. And we've seen that throughout history. We even see that in um, actual uh, natural disasters, like in Hurricane Katrina. Sure, there were some bad elements who typically were yeah, the right wing assholes. Yes, mm -hmm. and from beforehand, but generally, communities band together and. We all know the universe is cold and uncaring, but we can work together to build that fire. And we see that. And that's why I find it funny that um, uh, I, I forget who it was was doing that analysis of Lord of the Flies. And they were explaining that, like, yeah, a lot of people don't understand that this is more like a commentary at the time about how um, you get a bunch of entitled assholes, put them on an mm -hmm. island, they're going to be shit to each other. However, if you have a bunch of people who aren't entitled assholes on an island together, it, they're going to work together because they need to to survive. It's 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 again like this idea of essentialization that we were talking about before with like if you look at a lot of conservative ideology, it's this this that we are these things, we are essentially these things, yeah. these awful thing, and we cannot change, we cannot grow. It has to we have to be this way. We need things to keep us in line. Um, like you know, like Lou and I was talking to like a lot of my conservative family members, a lot I'll be like, Well, you know, we should try to make this better. We should try to like stop people being bullied. We should start and and a lot of the response was like, Well, that's just how people are. And I'm like, so you mean that we shouldn't try or we shouldn't try? Yeah. Like, it's just, and even going to our gender of like gender stuff, it's like saying you are born this way. So you must be this way your whole life or people. It's just always essentializing and saying we are these like just disgusting, awful beings. And we need something to keep us in line. Whereas like an actual truth, like human beings are kind, caring weirdos who love to they love are. other kind, caring weirdos. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are, uh, we are, um, we're a pack we're a pack animal mm -hmm. and i i just um i i was just thinking about it i'm gonna oversimplify this because it's been years since i've taken here here comes marla rolling out her like <laughs> philosophy 101 course or whatever um i remember learning about the different um beliefs in chinese philosophy about about the nature of humankind and the one i think it's shouldn't see i'm probably pronouncing it wrong is that man is inherently evil and you have to put things in place or you have to teach them to be good. But the conservative view is man is inherently evil. Can't do anything about it. Let's just let it roll. Like, let's just, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it, it's, it's wild. It's, mm -hmm. it makes no sense. Man is inherently evil, but we should channel those inherently evil forces through the police and military. Yeah. <laughs> no, man is inherently evil, but not all men. Uh, no, we have to be the most evil or we won't survive well we need <laughs> we it goes it goes it goes to like that idea of like the hero's journey it's like we we are all evil so we need a hero to come and teach us the way like we, this individualism thing of like this mm -hmm. this god-given authoritarian who can come and save us and teach us the right way to to exist and we we conform to them i mean that's one of the biggest defining characteristics uh, in umberto eco's understanding of fascism mm -hmm. is the under of the there's the masculine hero that's the mm -hmm. ultimate um identity is of the masculine hero one who never surrenders <laughs> strong man acts acts for action's sake mm -hmm. and never re never reevaluates their own like actions or belief system because you know that's the weak way actually i need to write that down because i'm writing about umberto echo and the hero's journey in my star wars video and i want to make sure i write that as a note so it's funny that you bring up philosophy because um it was i took a philosophy class two years ago 
almost three now. And I was in the closet still at that time. Um, I was, you know, miserable. But I had, but I had a settlement uh, from a car accident that I was in. So you know, it was still a good time because, you know, money and stuff. But um, and I went to this college, but it was on Zoom because it was in the pandemic. And I had a philosophy class, and I met this man. And they asked me, "Why am I excited to be in class?" And I said, "Yes, I'm excited to be in this philosophy class." I and this is funny looking back. I was like, "I am. This is. I've waited my whole life to to have a college course philosophy class, and I'm so ready to be here." And then and then he basically said that um, the reality is the Bible is like whatever the Bible says, and it's biblical truth. And so I was like, "What?" And then we fought like every class for like two weeks. And then on February second, Groundhog Day, um, he said it was wrong to be queer and wrong, like wrong to be gay, wrong to be trans. And like I, I fought him so hard on that. And well, I guess in in the terms that Lucy would provide, that cracked my egg because. I got so angry that this man told me that it's wrong to be gay that I realized that like this is the person like this kind of person is why I'm denying who I am as an individual and then I just I came out and then uh, I started going to a drag show and that's when I met Della who's been on this show three times now and changed my life and um, so you're saying one of those degenerate college professors, one of those liberals yeah. enticed you no, brainwashed queer you. lifestyle. No, he was a Republican. <laughs> no, was, I know, I know. I just want to know under what philosophy on under what framework of philosophy do you come to the conclusion that it's immoral? To be gay or trans, like he's a I, he's a deontologist. Well, I have yeah. it on Zoom. If you'd all like to listen to it one day, <laughs> so it's it's I, all I, about how like they feel that their their god has gone out and been like, yo, hey, I got this rule, this list of rules that uh, is only ten long, even though the whole book says it's like six. That's not long. it's not philosophy. It's theology. I mean, it's, it's, you yeah, are using is, smarts, and they don't like that as much as I hate me. Jesse pointing out how terrible that episode. Well, that cis man, he, he literally told me that because this guy Descartes, Rene Descartes, a philosopher, white Rene guy, Descartes. yeah, said that, he said, he said, I think therefore I am. And this guy said to me, because Descartes could think, he could then doubt himself. And because he could doubt himself, that proves God. And I was like, what? So that goes back to the Adam, the the uh, the tree of knowledge, Garden of Eden bullshit sort of thing of like we are all inherently awful human beings, like and we drink from the tree of knowledge, we eat from the tree of knowledge, and therefore we learn self actualization, and thereby we become awful, like aware of our awfulness or whatever. And yeah, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. The spiritual Doubtless. hippies will say that the that the apple actually was just a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> Doubtless, awful. that college professor had a lot of shame experience in their life. You know, uh, I always uh, saw the forbidden fruit as like a metaphor for knocking boots because they're like, holy shit, I'm naked. They're like, oh, it's a fig. We all know what else looks like a fig. Oh, yeah. That is yeah, true. that's that was my hypothesis in my uh, one of my weird college courses. Yeah, I went through weird phases where like spirituality tried to explain everything. So they were like the apple actually is this like psilocybin mushroom. And I was well, like, we, we, we can oh. talk about that when we inevitably have Joe Rogan on the show. 
And then we can all do DMT together and be like, Whoa, what's but going I mean, on? But I mean, listen to that story too. If we're if we're putting into the framework that we've been talking about, like the whole idea, if if, if it is like you eat from the tree of knowledge and thereby you like do something for yourself not god it's the same thing of like yourself actualizing for yourself as opposed to the system the authoritarian telling you what to do thereby it is wrong to do that you should just be this you should be lord of the beasts lord of the animals but you are just an animal based down and you should never uh, like move outside of the system itself because that will lead you astray yeah, they're like, get back in your box. Exactly. Don't get out of the box. Oh my God, they said that in Barbie. That. They yeah. said that in the Barbie movie. Get back. Mark, Mark, Mariana, you didn't say a word. Don't be sorry. Don't be mean to my Mariana. Uh, I will yeah, jump how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm alive. I'm alive, yeah. and that's some days good enough. To, do you yeah. want to respond to everything they said, and then I'll just snip it in right there in the middle of YouTube? Yes. No. Absolutely. I feel like the musical episode was overrated um you know what i feel like broadway would be better if we moved it to los angeles and okay, yeah, um, i agree with that <laughs> you know i agree with that i'm gonna snip those, and sn snip those any way you see fit watch me i swear to god that'd be so funny i wonder if i could uh, tell my doctor that mm. any way you see fit mm. it would be nice <laughs> snip, snip. anyway um, well, this has been fun. I really enjoyed this. Jesse, I'd love to have you on again. We're going to keep recording all the way up until November without Lucy. She's leaving in uh, November, so she'll be back new in face. March. Yeah, I'm excited to see new face. Yeah. Me and Marla yeah. are going to have new faces. Remember, take our old faces, use them for crime. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, wish I, kept my old, I wish I had kept my old face. <laughs> Marla, it's so good to have Kept you. Kept it around so you can Thank Sorry, you for having me. Yeah, I hope we. I hope this turns out to be a great episode. I think it was. Um, I think we 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 talked a lot. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm just happy that everyone was here with us and that we got to share this time together. So, I guess you know this is uh this is this is it. This is an episode. We're done. I guess. So, Aria, thank you for being here, and thank and Lucy, for thanks for being here, and Athena, thank you. It for is being always here. my pleasure. Yes, Mariana, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Marla, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Jesse, Jesse Jinder. Oh my God, so happy to have you here. It's the coolest thing. So I can't wait to, hopefully you'll come back with us again. Yeah, and please, please. Always, always, always these conversations, like this conversation the last time you were on were always great. So we should oh do it. And Yay. we oh should God, hang Boston. out in San yeah. Diego sometime. So <laughs> fantastic. Well, everyone, this is this has been great. So Jesse, if you could block out November 4th, I'll come visit in San Diego. So yeah. Marlo, when are you coming to visit California? You know, um, I, I keep telling um you, you know all know Lucy, the other Lucy, um Lucia uh on TikTok, Lucy thinks aloud. Uh, yeah, I think so. You probably know. And she's always coming out here. In fact, I'm having brunch with her tomorrow. And I keep being like, I need to come out there for You once. do. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I've been out there for tour, but I've uh, never been to California for pleasure. Only work. There's so many queer spaces. Like, Je Jesse, have you been to Hillcrest yet? No. I literally have gotten here and I've been working. Like I have not explored like today, like tomorrow is going to be my day to explore, but I might be invited to like a thing tomorrow. So I was like, God damn it. I never can get away, away from work. So yeah, I have not had any chance to explore at all. Though, oh uh, yeah, my, we're my taking, partner, 
My partner does um, uh, roller derby in San Diego. So like we could. What's their pronouns? My partner does roller derby out here. Hell yeah. <laughs> roller derby is, I wish I could do it. I would just get bruised and beaten, but she, she is great at it. Roller yeah. Derby my so partner's cool. at RollerCon right now. Oh, in Vegas? <laughs> yeah. That's where my partner is right now. Too. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably beating each other up. It's great. <laughs> oh my God. That's so exciting. What a small mm. world. Yeah. yeah if I take up roller derby, that means all three of you will have something in common. <laughs> now we just got to get Stephanie into it too. Fantastic. This is so Wait, are you in stuff. roller derby? Huh? Are no. you in roller derby? Oh, okay. I thought you were. It's like because then uh -huh. you might know her because she she does roller derby here. It's like you know my partner. It'd be funny. Small I didn't day. even know we had a roller derby thing down here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am. Yeah. Lucy, I want to visit because I looked up some beaches in San Diego, and I'm already plotting like one of the beaches I want to go to. It's like really as long deep. as it's not Black's Beach. Well, no, it's like there's uh, this. Uh, you gotta like walk down like along the beach and then like walk through some like sides of the cliffs and then like it turns into a oh so that's in uh carlsbad that's right next to my house yeah, you're talking about like... the one where it has those there's two there's either la jolla or the one in carlsbad where you, the one in la jolla has the sea lions the one in carlsbad has the uh a bunch of rocks that you go through or are you talking yeah, about the one in you go through the rocks the and then you go onto the other side and it's like just a secluded beach area with big cliffs and like Way off, you have to walk down the beach like a half a mile or a mile or whatever. Oh, that, then, that could be a lot of them. That could be the one in um, Malibu that I used to go to. I don't know. I'll send you the TikToks that I've... Yeah, just send it to me. I'll tell you where it's at. I've been up and down the beach. Yeah, mm -hmm. be And then Marla, Mar Mar you got to come too. And you, Mar Mariana. Yes, I yes, yes. I, gotta meet us I don't know when my I don't know when my tits are getting done, so... <laughs> well, Do you I, have... I, uh, any good national parks nearby? That's our, our current uh, hyperfixation yeah. for vacations. There are plenty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't go in them because, you know, they're bugs and I like indoor plumbing and um, AC because, as you can see, this chocolate bitch melts. Maybe I'll have I to like drag AC. your ass out somewhere sometime. Oh, you're like going to drag me? Oh, God, outside. If yeah. I could just go outside, no, but like the AC outside. on at all times would be nice. Oh. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna run too because it is hot and I need to get some air because my apartment does AC. Okay, well everyone, wait, Ari, you don't have AC? No, I do. We've had it off this entire time because it's too loud and we can't hear anybody. Oh. Wow. Yep. you're nice and sweaty now because of me. sacrifices. <laughs> sacrifices for the art. Oh, well worth it. Wow, well it gives it. you a lovely glow. It does. Yeah, that's called so, sweat. I'm so yeah. happy. I'm so happy that yeah. I made somebody and and uh, like. 2,000 miles away from me sweat. My lord. It's not that hard to make me sweat. Just put me in a hot room. Mercy. Well, <laughs> Mercy. Yes, well, anyway. Or do you want that in like... Japanese? Oh, yeah. say, say goodbye in Japanese. Say goodbye with our name. I just said, Ja Matane is how you say it in uh, normal. Uh, you don't normally say sayonara. That means, like, I'm never going to see you again. Or you could say oh. sayonara iska, which means... Goodbye forever, but maybe someday we'll meet again. So most say people goodbye, just say, say goodbye ja. for now on the Trans Narrative Podcast. So you just say, Ja, matane. Ja, ja. like yes in German, ja, ja except ja. with a J. So, Ja, ja. matane. Ja. Ja. No, no, no. Ja. Ja, ja matane. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that means so much. Thank you. Okay, well, Jesse, Marla, Mariana, I'm going to message all of you. I'll just follow up email, and it's been so nice. Great I'll see you all soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.
everyone, if you like this episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and follow. This podcast is available on Apple, Audible, Amazon, Spotify, Google, or YouTube. Today's episode is recorded on August 26, 2023. Today's show was hosted by Caroline Penny, Aria Lackey, Dina Permacus, and Lucy Balzano. Today's guest was Jesse Gender, Marla Alpert, and Mariana Basquiat. Trans Narrative Podcast was created and produced by Caroline Penny. Music provided by Athena Promakis. This episode was brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. If you'd like to reach out, learn more, be a guest, or are looking to get involved with the show, email us at transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for the trans community. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. Thanks for joining as we hear the stories of gender diverse people and celebrate our community. Our community.